Good morning, everyone, and welcome. I'm here by myself today. My children are part of the 30%, I guess, so... Um, yeah, hope you all are doing well and not dealing with too much sickness. Um, I guess to start out, I want to thank you for all the meals and support and everything um, that you gave to us over the birth of Madison. It was very much appreciated. Thank you. This morning, I want to talk about chronic pain. I've noticed that it seems like there's a lot of people that are suffering. Um, Maybe not just from chronic pain, but suffering from illness or some form of physical problem um, that causes stress or causes problems in your life. And uh, not, not just from, uh, there's also people that suffer from responsibility or from um, maybe from temptation or testing. And so I want to, the next three messages I want to talk about are different ways that we suffer. Um, this one's going to be suffering from like illness or chronic pain. The next one from suffering from responsibility. The last one suffering from sin, testing, temptation. And then, sorry, the third one. The fourth one then I want to talk about God's grace in our suffering. So each one of these is going to be a little bit incomplete. So, um, yeah, you'll have to hear the last one, I guess, uh, for, the, for the whole story. So... There are many different things in our life that can cause suffering. Um, We could probably, yeah, the list could go on. But how do you think about your suffering? What, how does your theology hold up in your suffering? I hope this message is a message of encouragement to those that are. Um, Suffering can be a little bit like a hornet's nest. Um, It's there, it's barely contained, and it's fine as long as you don't poke it. But here comes Gary along and and all the hornets come out and it's a mess. Pain and suffering is really personal. And it hurts. So, for those of you who do not know what I'm talking about, <clears throat> you should have a clothespin on your bench. And I want you to take that clothespin... And put it on your ear. <clears throat> Terrell. Uh, you guys have some, I think. All right. <clears throat> so this is something that we had to do <laughs> in uh, birth classes. Us men had to experience what it's like uh, to have never-ending pain. For those of you who suffer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, maybe this will give you a little idea. But pain is something that only you can feel. You can describe it to somebody, but nobody knows how you feel. And in that way, pain can be very lonely. Suffering can be very lonely. And I want to tell you my story a little bit. Um, I have a form of arthritis. It's uh, called ankylosing spondylitis. And... It's an autoimmune disease, which means that it doesn't... It's, it's my immune system that attacks my own body. There's not a cure for it. Nobody knows why it does that. Um, but it, it mainly affects your SI joint. And so um, where your spine comes down and attaches to your pelvis, there's a joint in there that looks kind of like this, and it kind of rotates. 
and your body sends, so my body thinks that there's something wrong in there, and it sends the little inflammation cells into that joint and causes it to swell up. And it's a good reaction. Your body's supposed to do that. Um, like if you would injure yourself, like you bang your arm or something and it swells up, that's the same thing that's what's happening. But there's no issue there. It just sends it out. Your body is confused, I guess, and thinks there's a problem. Um, and there's no cure. There's just medication to cover the, cover the symptoms. Um, there's, it goes from, there's all kinds of medication, that go, you know, basically from ibuprofen all the way up to, like, there's actually, there's blockers that you can take, and I was on one one for a while, um, but they will block that, um, whatever that protein is or that cell, it blocks that, so um, that can really help. But my, my first experience was when I was 18, or I say that was my first experience, um, but that's when it got really bad. Um, I would go and play church league softball, and I would come home and sit down, eat a snack, talk about the game or whatever, and I couldn't get back up. It hurt so bad. Just terrible back pain. <clears throat> and it would go into my hip. Um, I went to the chiropractor so many times. I spent thousands at the chiropractor. I'd go once a week. I'd leave. Sometimes I'd feel better. Sometimes I'd feel worse. From there, I went to OSMC, thinking that maybe it was an injury. And um, yeah, they gave me some therapy. And I still do that therapy some today when I have a flare-up. But that therapy helped. I got some hope. Um, I did this therapy twice a day. I think it took 20 minutes to a half hour or something like that. And um, so they're like, oh, okay, so you must have just had a muscle injury or whatever. This should take care of it. And I started weaning myself back off the therapy, and it came right back. Um, that didn't work. So they referred me to the Elkhart Clinic to see a rheumatologist, and uh, they're the ones that gave me the uh, diagnosis. So at this point, my pain was bad. They gave me Enbrel, which is actually one of the that's one of the blockers that I was talking about. It's an injection that you take once a week, and I was on that. And I think that's when I realized how bad it was. Um, I never felt better in my life <laughs> from when, or when I was on Enbrel. That, that felt so good. My back felt strong. I felt like I could do things. I was flexible. Um, but these, these uh, Enbrel these blockers lower your immune system. There's side effects, there's a cost. And so they said, well, if you get sick, you need to stop taking it. And uh, another thing was they were worried about tuberculosis. They said if you have ever, they wondered if I had ever had it. And I think they actually did some blood work to see if there was any traces of it in my system. If there was, I couldn't take it. Um, it was kind of a funny story. Uh, we were, <laughs> I remember, I was, we were in the youth and we were going somewhere and I remember, um, Tabitha had a, was sick. She had a cold or something like that. And Ken Miller was the bus driver, and he was giving her a hard time about having tuberculosis. And I was in the back freaking out, like, I can't be on this. <laughs> Anyways, I went up and asked Ken. I said, are you serious? Does she really have tuberculosis? <clears throat> no, he was just teasing her. But anyways, that was a big deal. Um, anyways, so over that time, so I got sick uh, 
I don't know, around Christmas time, I think in 2012. And so I quit taking it, and it was just the flu, and so I, I got to feeling better, and uh, I... It was over that time that I went to Deeper Life, and I took my medication along, but I just never took it again. And that, that was the last time that I took it. Um, I don't know if God, I, I give God the praise, but at Deeper Life, I didn't work. I just sat in my office all day and read or whatever, um, studied. I did still, you know, I went skiing once a week or whatever. I still was active, but my lifestyle was different. I don't know if that helped. Whatever the case, my pain didn't come back for I want to say like two years or something like that. It wasn't, if it came back, it was mild. You know, I still deal with stiffness or whatever, but um, it was mild. Um, today it is back more, not near like what it was when I was young, but it's back a lot worse. Um, sorry. It is back worse than it was, but not as bad as when I was in my late teens or whatever. Um, and it, it comes and goes. There was times that, the one time I remember, this was back before I was on Embrel, but I, would, I got a flare-up during the middle of the day. I was working, and it hurt. Like, and and you've got to understand, when, when I get these flare-ups, I am twisted. And I walk kind of like this, and I can't hardly pick anything up. I can't bend over. And uh, I went out to the truck and got some ibuprofen, and in five minutes it was gone, completely gone. It's just weird that way. I, I don't know why it's like that. Some nights I would go to bed and my right hip would hurt so bad. And, I, you know, you hobble over and you get in bed. And the next morning you hobble out on your left hip. And your right hip feels fine. It's just it's so weird. And, and I would get it in my uh, eye sometimes too. Like so I would get iritis, inflammation in, my, in the iris of my eye. That's really painful as well. And it can affect other joints too and it can actually affect your organs so um how would you counsel me if i would have came to you 10 years ago i'm worried about will i find somebody that will marry a guy like this i could be in a wheelchair i sat in the stands at ball games and i hope if i do get married that my children don't inherit this from me Will I be able to play games with my family? Where is God in this? And enough about my story. I wonder what your story is and what it's like. People spend trillions on health care. And I don't know, I, I just looked it up briefly. I think the number is around $4.3 trillion in 2021 that people spend on health care. What would you pay to get the clothespin off your ear? <laughs> you can take it off. <clears throat> My wife was like, you can't leave it on that long. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> uh, and it's not wrong. We need to seek medical attention, but it costs. Um, Enbrel, at the time, would have cost me $2,000 a month. Today, I think it's closer to like 6000 to $6,500 a month, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong on that. For a month, imagine working a full-time job only to pay for medication to lessen your symptoms. And I was, I was blessed. So there was a government plan at that point um, that we qualified for, and I actually got my Enbrel for free. And I think a lot of people can qualify for that. So um, 
And it, it struck me last week's Sunday school lesson, it talked about the lady that had spent all that she had on um, medical attention and, and still had no relief. Turn your Bibles to Psalms 44. I'm going to read verses uh, 1 through 8. We have heard with our eyes, O God, our fathers. Sorry, we have heard with our ears. O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days, in the times of old. How thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand, and plantest them. How thou didst afflict the people, and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm, in the light of thy countenance, <clears throat> because thou hast a favor unto them. Thou art my God, my king, O God, command deliverance for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies, and hast put them to shame that hated us. In God we boast all the day long, and praise thy name forever. Selah. Um, I'm guessing you probably have the experience of the psalmist here. This has been our experience. You know, maybe growing up, everything's been going good. We've had faith in God. We've been fulfilling his commands. Um, you know, we've looked back and seen how God's delivered other people. And we have put ourselves into that. We are faithful um, verse 8, in God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. That's where we're at, right? Then what is this that we're experiencing? Let's keep reading. But thou hast cast off and put us to shame and goest not forth with our armies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy and they which hate us spoil for themselves. Thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat and hast scattered us among the heathen. Thou sellest thy people for naught, or for nothing, and dost not increase thy wealth by their price. Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. My confusion is continually before me, and the shame of my face hath covered me. For the voice of him that reproacheth and blasphemeth by reason of the enemy and avenger. Is this, does that resonate with you? That you've been faithful, you've put yourself into the kingdom of God, and you have excruciating pain, or some form of illness, or some form of problem? <clears throat> Let's keep reading. All this has come upon us, yet we have not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons, and covered us with the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. 
Yea, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake, why sleepest thou, O Lord? Arise, cast us not off forever. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Arise for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. And that's where it ends. But how can it end that at that spot? Is there no deliverance? <clears throat> Lord, if we have done what you asked us, I know you would expose, or if we have not done what you have asked us to do, if there's sin, I know you would expose it. But again, it's silent. There's, there's nothing. Is that where you're at this morning, maybe? Suffering, maybe stressed out mentally because of it, confused about the reasons. And your prayer is verse 26. Arise for our help and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. I want to I give you some advice. Um, and the first one here is give your suffering a voice. The psalmist here in, in 9 through 16 spoke his frustration and his anger and his, his suffering. And I encourage you to, the, to do the same thing. Speak it. Write about it. Sing about it. <clears throat> give it a voice. Suffering is real. List the losses. Like suffering causes us to lose things. Um, maybe time spent with friends or like working to provide for your family or caring for your family. Ask your questions and use this psalm as a template. Um, you know, we, get, we feel things deeply and we wonder things about God just like the psalmist did. Give it a voice. And I would say, um, maybe you should put, put verses 9 through 16 in your own words. And here's how I would say this. But God has been silent. He ignores my suffering and I feel so alone. The pain is severe and every stat, step feels like a stabbing wound. The constant pain makes me exhausted and at the end of the day my strength is gone. The pain makes, wakes me up in the night and I, I never feel like I get enough sleep. I'm ashamed to ask for help, and I wonder what people think of me. I worry about my friends moving on and forgetting about me and my misery. All this is because of what you have done to me, Lord, and I'm confused about the reason why. How would you write that part if it was your experience? And I want to say, I guess, real quick, um, God does not glory in our suffering. Suffering is not good whether it be pain, illness, food allergy, or whatever. And I'm, I'm purposely not going to say a whole lot about God this morning um, because I'll cover that in my last message. But your suffering is not good. God can use it for all kinds of good things, and he does. Um, but I believe it's ultimately because of the fall. Um, and thankfully, there's going to be no suffering in heaven. And a word to the observers, if, if you are observing someone suffering or maybe you're caring for someone, I've got some, uh, some advice for you, and I hope you can have compassion. The first one is to listen well. Listen well. Give good advice. Make sure your theology is sound. 
Um, I got some, so I read some um, books, maybe I should just mention it now. I, I read the part of the book um, on suffering by David Paulson, and then I read an article, um, I believe it is, uh, I think I've got the title. Oh, no, I don't. Um, suffering Chronic Pain, uh, something about how to counsel those suffering with chronic pain or something like that by Esther Smith. So um, one thing that she referenced in that was that she had a tremendous amount of guilt because she would go to church and hear messages about, you know, we need to be active in the kingdom of God and we need to be serving and, you know, inviting people over and doing all this stuff and helping people, but she couldn't. And there was, you know, and the same could be said about, you know, we need to be at church when the doors are open, and if we're not there, we're, you know, we're slacking, we're falling away. But she couldn't go to church. And there's people that are like that. And so we need to be, we need to be sensitive to that and make sure our theology is, is correct. In your advice, don't be flippant. Don't say things flippantly. Like, for example, look at all we have to be thankful for, as though the suffering somehow doesn't compare. But all I feel right now is the suffering God is the healer. Then why doesn't God heal me? Don't get addicted to your pain meds, but I have to have my pain meds or I can't function. Won't heaven be wonderful? But did you know that sufferers have a little slice of hell on earth? All these are good advice, but don't say them flippantly. Be really careful. Ask good questions. Um... Offering advice is good, but I think it's safer to ask a good question. You know, instead of saying, God is so merciful to us in our suffering, maybe ask, how have you seen, or have you seen God's mercy in your suffering? Is there anything that you can think of? Maybe they'll say no. And if, they, if that's their answer, then you can weep with them, and you can better understand them. If they say yes, so you can rejoice with them. That's something to, be, to thank God for. <clears throat> and understand the shame. It can drive a woman crazy to not be able to cook a meal for a family or clean the house or whatever. It can sometimes drive me crazy to think about that there might come a time where I can't provide for my family. I mean, I would do, you know, if I can't get out and do what I'm doing now, I'd find something, right? But there might come a time, and for some people the reality is they spend 80% of their day flat on their back because they can't do anything. Understand the shame. And be willing to help. Look for solutions. Uh, research medication and side effects. And some of those things are hard. When somebody's in suffering, they, sometimes they can't think very well. And so um, put some thought into that. Be long-suffering. Um, the mental stress from suffering might be so great that they can't even do or make normal decisions, like, should I go shopping today or tomorrow? Um, so be with the people through that. And I guess one thing I thought about, too, is that people that are suffering would do anything to get out of suffering. And they're a prime target for scams. There's all kinds of healthcare scams, so... Keep your eyes open for that. And pray together. Sometimes there's nothing we can do. The doctors handle it. All we can do is pray and fast for them. That's one thing I think that would be good. 
And trust the Lord. You know, I just said there comes a point in time where there's nothing more that we can do. The change has to happen in them. Um, they might change a lot, especially if it's somebody you love. Suffering might really change their, the way they react to things. And, you know, they might be happy-go-lucky, and all of a sudden they get into a time of suffering and they dive deep and um, become sober and questioning a lot of things. You might not understand it. You might, yeah, you're going to have to trust the Lord yourself to help somebody through it. Um, yeah, it might even mean, that, you know, if it's your spouse, it might even mean that your retirement savings that you've been storing up for so long goes to pay doctor bills. And, uh, and you might spend all you have and still not have an answer. To the suffering ones, um, in my last message, I'm going to talk about God's grace in our suffering, um, about how he's merciful, his gentleness, his wisdom, how he's like a father. Um, he stretches us, and he has a good plan for us. He is a very present help in time of trouble. But for today, I just want to look at one thing. God is the healer. In Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy soul with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And oh, if that were only the case. God is the healer. And the next one, Psalm 104 is a good psalm about God's sovereignty and how he's in control of everything. But I'm just going to get a couple of verses out of here, verses 27 through 29. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou mayest give them, that thou givest that thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thy hand, and they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, and they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. So God is in control of life. And there is a sickness unto death. We need to acknowledge that. And then what a precious time that is to God. God is the healer. It's wise to do all that we can to heal or to, to ease our suffering. And I would say use everything at your disposal. Use wisdom. Don't tempt God by just not doing anything. Um, I believe that God wants us to do everything we can. Use medicine. But don't put your faith in those things. If you experience a form of relief that is great, don't put your faith in it. Um, put your faith in God. It's wise to search for healing, demanding it is not. And God used things. You know, some people are kind of a little bit scared of medicine, or um, that's a whole other discussion, I guess. But God used medicine in Scripture. Um, he used a lump of fig figs to heal Hezekiah. And I guarantee you there was people selling fig balm after that, probably, right? Mud on the eyes of the man that Jesus healed. And I'm sure there was 25 other people that tried that, right, after that happened. 
Um, and Naaman dipped in the Jordan River. So God uses these things to um, accomplish healing. But don't put your faith in medicine. Search out what you can do, but don't put your faith in it. Put your faith in God. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about medicine and uh, things like that. And I suppose if the Bible would say everything about everything, it would be way too long to read. But it does say a lot about war. And I'd like to draw that parallel. God doesn't save through an abundance of chariots or foot soldiers. Psalm 20 Verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And that's pretty obvious to us because that's what Scripture, the story in Scripture, a lot of it talks about war, like through Psalms and the suffering and, you know, being chased by our enemies and things like that. I think we can draw a parallel to suffering physically. So they would still sharpen their swords, they would still pack supplies, they'd still draw up a battle plan, but when they had victory, they would praise the Lord. And there's story after story about God delivering his people, his vastly outnumbered, outskilled people in battle. And we do the same thing. I think it's wise to go to the doctor, to take tests, um, to take pain medication, to prepare for surgery, But when we experience relief, we should praise the Lord. And I think this was actually, this was really helpful helpful to me um, in in talking about this. So, yeah, so when I was at Deeper Life, this is one of the things that we talked about with a counselor I was working with. And he said, you know, God's in control of all this. Like, you don't have to worry about, you know, spending all your time, you know, trying to find the right cure or making that your driving passion. You know, you search, you try to look, but ultimately it's in God's hands. And that was really freeing to me. I think it it deepened my relationship with God um, to know that it was in his hands and it wasn't on me to find the magic cure somewhere. And of course, I keep my eyes open for new treatment that might come out. But... Yeah, it's not the panic that I have to find something. So, um, give your suffering a voice. Trust God as the healer. And continue serving the Lord as best you can. Be creative. Uh, Maybe you can't go to the work day, but you can send someone an encouraging message. And it was funny, it's a funny story here. Uh, There's a guy who sends me a message when I have to preach, okay? He'll send it like the day before or whatever. And, um, and I was right on this section thinking, you know, hey, you know, you can send, you know, you might not be able to do anything, but if you're laying on your back, you can grab your phone and send somebody a text message. And I was thinking about this guy and wondering when I was going to get my message. And like five minutes later, bing, looked at it, praying for you tomorrow. Yes! That is awesome. That's where it's at. <clears throat> Maybe that's all you can do. You can give somebody a smile. You can pray for somebody. You can graciously accept somebody's help, which can be really rewarding or satisfying to somebody, the person that's helping. Um, I'm not trying to distract you from your suffering. I'm trying to 
um, to help you follow Jesus the best you can in your suffering. And in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. That's how it is. That's how God views you. If, if all you can do is just a little bit, that's meaningful in the kingdom of God, and God sees that. So don't forget that. Continue serving the Lord even if it is something so small. <clears throat> and put on the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to skip over reading that, but um, don't use your suffering as an excuse to sin. It won't work before God. And it's so easy to do, though. Um, you just get so grouchy and irritated, and it just when it hurts, you snap at the children, and um, yeah, it's not good. Put on love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, whatever else there is. Those things you don't have to... Those things happen inside of us. Those things we can do. And pray, obviously. Speak to the Lord about it. And analyze your... Um, analyze your, your motivations for wanting healing. Have you thought about that? James says that we sometimes pray for things so that we can consume it upon our lusts. So don't do that. And I've found that, that that's the way it is for me sometimes. Like, I want to be healed because I have all these things that I want to do. And, yeah, sometimes it's my own pride. And so my prayers look like repentance sometimes. Don't value the healing over the healer. If you have a good day, praise him. If you have a bad day, cry out to him. And how would you feel if you knew that your pain would not go away? If it would continue for the rest of your life, if you knew that? Like, none of us know that. How would, how would you take that? It might be overwhelming to think about that. I have a picture on my office wall. It's of a lighthouse and some rocks and then there's a really stormy sea. And there's a verse that goes with it that it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. And I just think if, if my pain means I need God more, then maybe I'm right where he wants me to be. Maybe if my pain makes others need God more, then maybe I'm right where God wants me to be. So, for that, I would say to be humble. None of us know what our tomorrow will be like. Uh, for someone in pain, constant pain, the words of Matthew 6.34 are meaningful. And this is in the ISV. It says, so never worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And isn't that the truth? So trust God and try not to worry about the future. And take courage. I love the stories of God delivering his people, and he can do it. 
and we'll look at more on that on my last message on that, but God isn't finished with your story. It may feel like it, but he's not. In one of the most fascinating verses in the Bible to me, God told Job in the middle of his suffering to stand up like a man. And that, that has meant a lot to me. Stand up like a man so that we can talk. And I'd like to, I'd like to encourage you in that. Like, don't settle. Don't give up. God is with you. Surround yourself with good counselors. Read some good books, if it's possible for you to read. Find a fellow sufferer to compare notes with. And don't be a victim. And lastly, I guess I want you to finish the psalm. Okay? Psalm 44, I feel like, stops in the middle at a plea for help. And I wonder, some of you maybe have went through suffering and could finish the psalm right now if I give you opportunity of what it looks like. Some of you are at that plea for help, and you're going to have to wait a couple of years before you can finish the psalm. But I encourage you to finish it. I want you to make this your psalm and write the ending. And for me, and I'm not at the end yet, but it could look like this. The Lord has given me partial relief, and I praise God for that. It has driven me to think about things that I never would have otherwise. I have gained wisdom from it. It has humbled me and pressed me into the kingdom of God. It has made the good times sweeter, and I long for the time when we will get to heaven and everything will be sweet. Finish the psalm. Maybe it will look like Psalm 46. And I want to read that real quick. It's short. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? And now notice, he's speaking about this not from a perspective of being delivered. Okay? Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river. The streams thereof shall make make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come and behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. So maybe that's how your psalm would end. In the midst of suffering, that God is your refuge and you have total confidence in him. That'd be an awesome place to end your psalm. There's no release or relief in Psalm 46, just dependence on God, knowing he is near. So, today, give your suffering a voice. Trust God as the healer. Do all you can. Continue serving as best you can. Put on the fruit of the Spirit. Pray. Be humble. Take courage and finish the psalm.
And I want to leave you with a psalm, another one, Psalm 20. This is a blessing from David, and I'm going to read it from the ISV because it's a little bit clearer, I guess. May the Lord answer you in the day of distress. May the name of God, may the name of God of Jacob, sorry, may the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary, and may he sustain you from Zion. May he remember all your gifts, and may he accept your burnt offerings. May he give you what your heart desires, and may he fulfill all your plans. May we shout for joy at your deliverance, and unfurl our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. I know, now I know that the Lord has delivered his anointed. He has answered him from his sanctuary with the strength of his right hand of deliverance. Some boast in chariots, others in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. While they bowed down and fell, we arose and stood upright. Deliver us, Lord. Answer us, our King, on the day we cry out.